chapter two of prince or chauffeur a story of newport by lawrence perry this librivox recording is in the public domain miss wellington enlarges her experience few places in the well-ordered centres of civilization are so altogether dreary as wickford junction shortly before five o'clock in the morning when the usual handful of passengers alight from the boston express the sun has not yet climbed to the top of the seaward hills of rhode island the station and environment rest in a damp semi-gloom everything shut in silent as though nature herself had paused for a brief time before bursting into glad effulgent day the station is locked one grocery store in the distance presents a grim boarded front to the sleeping street no one is awake save the arriving passengers they are but half so hungry and in the nature of things cross mrs wellington was undisguisedly in that mood armitage found some degree of sardonic pleasure in watching her as she viewed with cold disapproval the drowsy maids and her daughter who although as immaculate and fresh and cool and altogether delightful as the morning promised to be persisted in yawning from time to time with the utmost abandon armitage had never seen a woman quite like the mother somewhat above medium height there was nothing in the least way matronly about her figure it had still the beautiful supple lines of her youth and her dark brown hair was untinged by the slightest suggestion of grey it was the face that portrayed the inexorable progress of the years and the habits and all that in them had lain cold calculating unyielding the metallic eyes dominated a grey lineament seamed and creased with fine hair-like lines no flippant light-headed pleasure-seeking creature of society was bell wellington few of her sort are public belief to the contrary notwithstanding her famous fight for social primacy now lying far behind in the vague past had been a struggle worthy of an epoch however meticulous the object of her ambition may have appeared in the eyes of many good people at all events she had striven for a goal not easy of attainment many years before on the deck of her husband's yacht whither by methods she sternly had forgotten had been lured a select few of a select circle the fight had begun even now she awoke sometimes at night with a shudder having lived again in vivid dream that august afternoon in newport harbour when she sat at her tea-table facing the first ordeal she had come through it with what rare felicity had she scattered her conversational charms with what skill had she played upon the pet failings and foibles of her guests what unerring judgment had been hers and memory of details unfailing tact and exquisite taste a triumph yes and the first knowledge of it had come in a lingering hand-clasp from the great man of them all and a soft dear in the farewell words of his wife 
but she had fainted in her cabin after they left since that day she had gone far she was on familiar terms with an english earl and two dukes she had entertained an emperor aboard her yacht in new york and newport there were but two women to dispute her claims as social dictator and one of these through a railroad coup of her husband's would soon be forced to her knees it was all in her face armitage could read it there in the hard shrewd lines the cold heartless vindictive lines or the softer lines which the smiles could form when smiles were necessary which was not so often now as in former years and in place of the beauty now gone she ruled by sheer power and wit which time had turned to biting acidity and by the bitter diplomacy of the medicis ugh armitage drew his pipe from his pocket with humorous muttering a dreadnought all right and out and out sundowner and i beg leave to advise myself that the best thing about fair anne is that she favours her father or some relative considerably more saintly than my lady of the marble face as armitage passed the group in pacing the platform the woman whom he had been studying raised her eyes and gazed at him with just a touch of imperiousness i beg your pardon she said and a trace of the little formal smile appeared but can you tell me when we are to have a train armitage glanced at his watch it is due now he said i think here it comes he added inclining his head towards a curve in the track around which a little locomotive was pushing two dingy cars mrs wellington nodded her thanks and turned to her daughter as though dismissing armitage who indeed had evinced no desire to remain walking toward the upper end of the platform where his bag reposed upon a pile of trunks he did not see them again until they boarded the general at wickford landing for the trip down narragansett bay they were all in the upper cabin where mrs wellington was evidently preparing to doze armitage walked forward and stood on the deck under the pilot-house watching the awakening of the picturesque village across the narrow harbour until the steamboat began to back out into the bay the sunlight was glorious the skies blue and the air fresh and sparkling armitage faced the breeze with bared head and was drawing in deep draughts of air when footsteps sounded behind him and anne wellington and her maid came to the rail how perfectly delightful emilia she exclaimed now if i could have a rusk and some coffee i should enjoy myself thoroughly why don't they conduct this boat like an english liner her eyes filled with humorous light swept past armitage yes they were hazel i am so hungry emilia she smiled and sniffed the air with mock ardour emilia didn't you smell that tantalizing odour of hot biscuits in the cabin i wonder where it came from armitage suddenly remembered a previous journey in this boat and he was on the point of addressing the girl when he checked himself but only for a minute her mother had addressed him in her presence had she not certainly that constituted well if not an acquaintance at least something which involved warrant to a sister in times of stress which he decided to be here and now 
so he turned to the girl with that boyish grin and that twinkling of his clear gray eyes which people found so contagious in him and addressed her in the most natural way if i don't intrude egregiously he rounded out this beautiful word a favorite of his father's with a drawling tentative inflection which caused anne to smile in spite of herself seeing which armitage continued i happen to know that the steward in the galley below makes biscuits and brews coffee at this hour each morning such as are given to few mortals if you'll allow me the honor of playing waiter i'll be delighted to serve you in the cabin anne wellington heard him in wide-eyed astonishment then she laughed not at all affectedly and glanced swiftly through the cabin windows to where her mother sat apparently in slumber i thank you it's awfully polite of you but you needn't play waiter instead would it be too much trouble for you to show us where the the galley suggested armitage where the galley is armitage hesitated no he said it would be a pleasure only the galley or rather the mess-room is rather a stuffy place i-oh i shouldn't mind that in the least i am not unused to roughing it she turned to her maid amelia go and tell morgan to say to mother if she wakes that we are in the galley breakfasting on plum duff armitage said nothing while they waited for her return anne wellington was silent too she simply stood waiting tapping the toe of one of her small russet pumps on the deck and gazing out over the bay with a curious little smile rippling up from the corner of her mouth armitage did not quite understand her while she had been cordial enough yet there was an underlying suggestion of reserve not at all apparent and yet unmistakably felt it was he felt as though in her life and training and experience she had acquired a poise a knowledge of at least certain parts of the world and its affairs which gave her confidence made her at home and taught her how to deal with situations which other girls less broadly endowed would have found overpowering or at best distinctly embarrassing not that armitage had in any way sought to embarrass miss wellington he had spoken simply upon impulse being of that nature and he could not but admire the way in which she had diagnosed his motive or rather lack of motive save a chivalrous desire to serve evidently she had long been accustomed to the homage of men and more she was apparently a girl who knew how to appraise it at its true value in any given case if armitage had but known it this was a qualification not without its value to the girls and elder women who occupied anne wellington's plane of social existence the society calendar of scandal is mainly a list of those who have not possessed this essential when the maid returned miss wellington smiled and nodded to armitage who led the way into the cabin and to the main stairway and thence down into the hold the steward was a bustling voluble little man with well-rounded proportions and a walrus-like moustache as armitage and his two companions entered he was engaged in removing a coffee-stained table-cover the crew had finished breakfasting which he replaced with a spotless red-and-white checkered cloth 
steward said armitage falling unconsciously into the crisp voice of command get some coffee and biscuits for this lady and her maid please yes sir the steward smiled affably certainly sir they're fine this morning the biscuits i mean fine very good said armitage he pulled two chairs to the table and was leaving the room when the girl looked over her shoulder aren't you going to join us she asked well said armitage smiling i was going to breakfast in the galley it is so warm by the range you know nonsense don't mind us it's rather novel breakfasting with one's maid and a stranger she said this in rather an absent manner as though the fact to which she called attention were almost too obvious for remark certainly it was not said in any way to impel armitage to introduce himself and he had no wish to take advantage of a lame opportunity yes he said seating himself at one end of the table it impresses me that way too to say that the biscuits were delicious and the coffee uplifting inspiring would in the mind of all who have shared the matutinal hospitality of the steward of the general be an inadequate expression of gastronomic gratitude let it be sufficient to note that anne wellington beamed gratefully upon the steward who expanding under the genial influence discussed his art with rare unction the secret he said leaning confidentially over the back of miss wellington's chair is to be sparin of the yeast and then there is something in raisin em proper now the last time mrs jack vanderlip was down here she made me give her the receipt for them identical biscuits give me a dollar for it mrs jack vanderlip cried miss wellington did she ever grace your table did she ever grace this table well i should say so and the tyler girls and hammy van rensselaer and billy anstruther he comes down here often miss wellington laughed i often have marvelled at billy's peach blow complexion she said now i have the secret don't tell him i said so miss wellington said the steward the girl with a biscuit poised daintily in her fingers did not seem surprised to hear her name your acquaintance is rather extend rather large she said the steward actually blushed i live in newport miss he said oh that was all and the curious little smile did not leave her face but armitage noticed that in some way the steward found no further opportunity for exercising his garrulity evidently she assumed that armitage now knew whom she was if he had not known before the steward uttered her name for he noticed a slight modifying of her previous attitude of thorough enjoyment for his part armitage of course had no reason for altering his bearing and that he did not was observed and appreciated by his companion this eventually had the effect of restoring both to their former footing yes she said finally it has been rather a novel experience i am indebted to you not to me said armitage then by way of conversation novel experiences as a rule are not so easily had no i grasp them whenever she jerked her head toward the cabin above and smiled whenever i can conveniently my old tutor in munich was always impressing it upon me never to neglect such opportunities opportunities oh i see slumming armitage glanced about the apartment and laughed she frowned 
i was speaking categorically not specifically at least i meant to i did not mean slumming i detest it seine erfahrungen erweitern enlarging one's experience is the way my teacher put it life is so well ordered with us there are many well-defined things to do any number of them the trouble is they are all so well defined we glide along and take our switches as father would say like so many trains she smiled and so i love to run off the track once in a while may i have the credit of having misplaced the switch armitage's eyes were twinkling as the girl arose with a nod in the upper cabin mrs wellington apparently still slept to armitage's great joy her daughter with hardly a glance into the cabin stepped to the rail and looked down the bay with radiant face the promise of the early hours had been established it was a beautiful day it was one of these mornings typical of the hour it looked like morning smelt like morning there was the distinct clean pure inspiring feel of morning the skies were an even turquoise with little filmy fleecy shreds of clouds drifting across the air was elixir and the blue waters capped here and there with white ran joyously to meet the green sloping shores where the haze still lingered ahead an island glowed like an opal perfect perfectly stunning cried the girl somehow armitage felt the absence of that vague barrier which heretofore she had seemed almost unconsciously to interpose as her eyes filled with sheer vivacity met his what are those little things bobbing up and down in the water over there she asked i believe that is the torpedo testing ground he said torpedoes ugh she shrugged her shoulders mother knew Varish shagin who was in the petra pavlovsk when she struck the japanese torpedo and turned upside down do you know anything about torpedoes not much a little armitage thrilled at the first sign she had given him that she considered or was in any way curious regarding his personality she looked at him i am certain i have seen you before she said you don't live in newport that is not my home said armitage i come from kentucky i am something of a wanderer being a sort of fighter by profession the girl started not a prize-fighter she glanced quickly at the handsome square fighting face the broad chest and shoulders and flushed are you really that armitage had intended to tell her he was a naval officer but obsessed of the imp of mischief he nodded i can imagine situations wherein i might fight for a prize she overlooked what she regarded as the apparent modesty of his answer really she exclaimed how interesting now i am glad i met you i had no idea you were that of all things you seemed she checked herself but tell me how did you begin tommy dallas is keen on your sort did he ever ever back you i believe he calls it in a fight the new trend speedily had become distasteful to armitage who inwardly was floundering for a method of escape from the predicament into which his folly had led him he had no wish to pose as a freak in her eyes still no solution offered itself no he said at length he never backed me as a matter of fact i am more of a physical instructor now oh she said disappointedly i was going to gloat over tommy physical instructor do you know father is looking for one 
for my two kid brothers why don't you apply thanks said armitage a bit ungraciously perhaps i shall plainly the girl's interest in him was fast waning extremely chapfallen and deeply disgusted with himself armitage bowed and muttering something about looking after his luggage withdrew End of chapter two